reading today comes from Matthew chapter 28, starting at verse 16 to verse 20. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Uh, it's good to see you and um, good to be back up here maybe one last time. Um, before we start, let me just give you a little bit of an update on, on a few things as far as cancer and um, all of that. So um, uh, we actually have a date for starting uh, treatment. Um, if you're new or whatever, I've, I've been diagnosed recently with cancer um, in my mouth and neck and throat. Um, so if I start to gag, I have a tumor in my mouth, so I apologize for that. And I might drink more than normal, um, and that's why I won't be preaching for the rest of the year, because that's disgusting and no one wants to see that. So um, hopefully we'll make it through this morning. So uh, treatment will start uh, Monday week, and I'll start seven weeks of radiation and chemotherapy, um, and uh, really covet your prayers to continue through that time. Um, a few things you can pray for, I guess, specifically. Um, ultimately, that God is glorified through this. Uh, we thank him that he's already cured me of cancer, uh, the most important cancer to be cured of, of our humanity and sin and death. Um, and so this is easy uh, compared to that. Um, and so we just pray that God be glorified through however he chooses to uh, move things forward in that. Um, pray that it works. Um, so that's always good, too. I mean, Paul said to die is gain, and I really do believe that, but I'd also like to finish raising my kids. So uh, pray that it actually works. Um, and then also from that, I guess some, some of the, that some of the side effects uh, would just maybe uh, be mitigated as much as possible, particularly swallowing. Um, so uh, my goal is to try to make it through this as an outpatient and not have to be admitted uh, into the hospital. That all depends on uh, me being able to continue to swallow food so, and not have to have a feeding tube and all that kind of stuff. So pray for that. And then also just pray for Sue and the kids uh, during that time. Kids haven't really seen me sick yet, so I'm, I'll get sicker before I get better. Um, that's how this kind of works. So just pray for them, um, that they wouldn't be fearful during that time, and, and really just uh, for Sue as well as I'm probably not as available to help with stuff. So... Um, I guess also we just want to let you know what the plan is uh, for Sunday mornings particularly. Um, I've tried to kind of continue to work, although from now on there's really nothing on our calendar or schedule that is dependent on me um, uh, in that. The plan uh, for preaching over the next five weeks, um, we already had uh, Reuben scheduled, and really um, there was just some uncertainty and unknown of, of that. That's actually the hardest part of all of this is just the uncertainty and unknowability of some things. And so we, uh, we thought really what was best is to have a series of guest speakers for the next five weeks. And so, uh, so starting next week and uh, then continuing for the next uh, five weeks, 
we're going to have a series called Guests Best, and we've just asked guests to come and bring us their best sermon. So uh, we really thought about, <laughs> I know, it's clever, clever. Love a slick title. Uh, and in that, we thought, we really did consider, should we kind of a, do a series and assign, uh, the, typ- the typical way that we do is just preach through books of the Bible uh, and take big chunks of scripture and work our way through that. Should we do that and just assign out those to these guest speakers? But honestly, just really felt the Lord just saying, listen, just let them um, come and let me speak through them. And so we've asked them just to come and give us a sermon that might have impacted their church the most uh, recently or uh, from a text that has impacted them the most. And I really do believe that God will, uh, is going to bless us through that. I think you'll enjoy uh, the speakers that have lined up. They're all kind of Acts 29 pastors that we uh, know and trust. And uh, some of them you'll know already. Gentry Morris, uh, from, if you've been around for a long time, will know him. He'll be here next week um, as well. So the 14th, sorry. Yeah, John's next week. Sorry. All that back a week. Yeah. So, all right, let's get started. Enough of, of all of that. So, uh, we've been working through a series called uh, Life Together, looking at our kind of communal values that um, we really believe that God has called us as a church to, uh, what makes us uh, a bit distinct in, in um, the mission that God has called us to here at Village Belfast. And so, uh, today we're going we're gonna to do the, ver- the last one, um, which is mission through community. Um, I guess in one aspect, there's a lot of ways that we're told to do mission, um, but, uh, but the how of how to do that, uh, when you get into the finite kind of nitty-gritty details of things, is uh, the Bible's not black and white on. It's a little bit ambiguous in. Um, but what it is pretty clear on is that mission is accomplished through a, a community of people together. And so in Matthew 28, Jesus sends his disciples with authority to show people what true life looks like. They weren't called to do it individually, but to do that as a community. Um, we are committed to communicating the gospel message, and we're committed to doing that in the context of a gospel community. It's how we've structured our church, our, our church right, in our missional communities. Uh, we want people to experience the church as a network of relationships, right? We talk about church as family, um, rather than just a meeting you attend or a place that you enter, um, the church is an institution, um, which unfortunately, probably in Northern Ireland, is how most people think about church, um, rightly or wrongly. And so we want to be a family on mission together and believe that that's what God has called us to do. Um, really, this is God's plan from the very beginning, um, actually from before the beginning, um, because God's eternal. And so we look at all the way back to Genesis 1. Um, God creates the world. Um, he creates the world, and it's important because God's plans have always been global plans. His plan has always been to bless the entire world, not just one particular people group, not just one particular ethnicity, not just one particular time and place, but all people, um, uh, uh, the world global in that, in that way. It's been his plan to bless the world. Jesus uh, commands us to be witnesses to the ends of the earth. Because that's where his love spreads to. It's to the ends of the earth. The call to worship this morning was just spot on and perfect. Uh, to, to consider God's heart and his love. The un, uh, we'll never find the borders of that. We'll never find the edges of that. And when Jesus tells us to disciple the nations, it reveals God's heart and love for all people. For all nations. 
He uh, tells the first uh, human beings, Adam and Eve, to go and fill the earth and subdue it. Now we see Jesus at the end of Matthew with his disciples giving this last command. Jesus says to go and make disciples of all nations. This is how the earth is filled and subdued as we disciple the nations. Um, In the book of Acts, uh, we have Jesus again, some of his last words that he says to his disciples before he ascends to the right hand of the Father. In Acts 1.8, he says, you will be... Let's just look at it together. Just flip over. Um, the context of these things are, are so important. So in Acts chapter 1, we spend a lot of time going through this whole book. And so in, in verse 8, he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And when that happens, you will be my witnesses where you are a little bit further out and further out and further out to the ends of the earth. This phrase, you will be, without getting too nerdy in the, in the original language, is in this indicative move. It, what that means is that it portrays something as being actual, not something that just has potential. So, so Je- Jesus isn't making a suggestion to them, hey, you might be my disciples, you have the potential to be my witnesses, or raising a mere possibility that it might happen. No, he says, but rather you will have this new identity as a direct consequence of the Holy Spirit coming upon you in power. Wait here. The Holy Spirit will come and empower you, and because of that happening, you will be my witnesses to the end of the earth. If you are a Christian today, you have been filled and sealed with the Holy Spirit, and a consequence of that filling and and, and sealing is a new identity uh, as a missionary So if you're a Christian this morning, congratulations, you're also a missionary, right? And we tend to think of missionary in this kind of traditional way as someone who will leave their home and go to a different place, a foreign land, some exotic place, you know, uh, far away, learn a new language, learn a new culture, all of these sorts of things. Uh, And that's true, and praise God for those people, Uh, and we need those people as well. Um, But that's not the only kind of a missionary All Christians are missionaries. You are meant to go and disciple uh, all people. It might just be going across the street. It might just be going to the next cubicle at work. It might just be uh, to the next desk at, at, at school. But being a Christian and not being a missionary um, doesn't make any kind of sense at all when we read the New Testament. One of the key markers of being a person who was a follower of Jesus was someone who would actually be willing to go and uh, proclaim the good news of the gospel. So the Holy Spirit creates missionaries. It's what he does. And we see this through the book of Acts. Uh, We spent uh, over a year going through this book. But the book of Acts shows us that that's exactly what happened, that that's what they were. They started in Jerusalem, which was really the old world capital And it spreads all the way to Rome, which was the new world capital. And the book of Acts ends in in Acts chapter 28. Um, 
but as we saw when we, when we went there, uh, it, it just kind of, it doesn't, it doesn't conclude. It just, the, the narrative ends, but it really should just have an ellipsis at the end, really. Just a, 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 you know, a few dots. Because the story continues on. That wasn't the end of the story, it's just the end of Luke's account. We are a continuation of that story. Um, the, the gospel went all the way to Rome and that story, but we know it didn't stay there, right? It, it continued to move. Uh, Patrick brings uh, the gospel to Ireland. Churches continue to get planned in England. We see uh, the, the great works of, uh, of Spurgeon uh, who would train pastors to go out and plant churches. Whitfield, uh, these great um, preachers of the gospel. What resulted in that was churches being planted as well. And the thing about the gospel is this. We talk often, um, uh, so we're a part of a network called Acts 29. It's already been mentioned this morning. Um, a team that's here from Foothill Church is also a part of that same network. Um, and you can tell Acts 29, it's the, the purpose is kind of in the name. The book of Acts stops at chapter 28. So it's meant to kind of, the next chapter, as the story continues, the, the story of the gospel continuing to go forward and resulting in the planting of churches. But that's because the gospel itself is ambitious. We talk about often the gospel ambition of church planters or the gospel ambition of us as Christians. We should have a a kind of a gospel ambition. But the gospel itself is ambitious. Our gospel ambition is only meaningful because the gospel itself has an ambition. Well, what is that? What is is the ambition of the gospel? Um, I think what sums it up best is Habakkuk Habakkuk, uh, chapter 2.14. And basically says this, that the gospel won't be satisfied until the earth is filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the water covers the sea. That's the ambition of the gospel. That the earth be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And we see this begin in the book of Acts. And we see these markers that happen, right? The, the, the book kind of breaks into these sections. And we see the first one in Acts 6, 7. Uh, this phrase, the word, of the, the word of God continued to increase. We see the movement, the momentum of the gospel. It continued to increase. The word increase there is, um, is an agricultural word really to me to, to be fruitful, right? Like a harvest would increase. And it brings us back to this parable that Jesus had in Matthew 13, the parable of the sower. Do you remember? For the sake of time, we won't go into to reading all of it this morning. Um, but he tells this parable of a sower who came and he sowed his seed. And he sowed this seed liberally and generously. Um, he, he threw this, this seed everywhere. Um, which doesn't make a lot of sense when you actually read the parable. right? Because if I was a farmer... I would think you would want to be very um, deliberate on where you planted seed. You would, you know, you would have rows. You'd make sure you'd put the seed in those, in those rows. You would do it very deliberate. But this isn't the, the picture of the parable of the sower. It really is a, a picture of a person with like a sack of seed just scattering it everywhere they go, like indiscriminately. And so some of it lands on hard pavement and soil that, isn't, that doesn't, it, it, it's not going to, there's nothing, there's nothing there. There's no soil for it to take root. 
the birds come and, and eat some of it. Um, it goes away. Um, some of it's in, in thorny uh, uh, um, patches where, where the, the weeds kind of choke it out and it's not able to grow. Um, but some of it lands in good soil. Some of it lands in good soil. Some of it lands in productive soil. Maybe even the majority of that because we know in this that there's a record harvest at the end. That in the end, the birds, the shallow soil, the thorns are ultimately ineffectual. That the seed will find soil. That it will grow. Jesus the sower sows the seed of the gospel. The seed that is being sowed is the good news of the gospel. And he is victorious. The purpose of God will be fulfilled. His purposes will not be thwarted. God is going to disciple the nations. And this should encourage us. It should encourage us as we go, as we are commanded to go and be sowers of that same seed. It should encourage us. And so the question is, well, how do we do that? How do we do that? When we think about evangelism, when we think about mission, a lot of times we can think about it in individual, uh, in individual terms, right? We think about me personally sharing my uh, faith, sharing the good news of the gospel with one other person. Um, and that's absolutely critical, right? There's, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that at all. We as a body of Christ are made up as individuals. We have our own individual lives and things as well. And so that's, that's a part of that. Um, we actually did evangelism training. You remember? We, we actually walked through uh, on how to actually be able to do those things well. But ultimately, when you read through the scripture, the narrative that you actually see, how this happens, how this moves forward, how the gospel gains momentum and traction is by planting churches. The gospel isn't something that is merely declared. It is that, don't mishear me, it has to be a word that is spoken, a word that is preached, a word that is declared, but it's not only that. The gospel is also something that has to be displayed and demonstrated. And that can't be done with one person. (laughs) That takes a community to be able to display and demonstrate the good news of Jesus and the implications of that for our life. And so this happens in churches. It happens as they're planted. Multiplying church in churches is God's mission strategy because that's what we see in the scripture. Evangelism, hospitality, discipleship, worship, all of those things should eventually result in a church planted. This was the story of, of, of this church, a village. Um, so for those of you that were around at the very beginning, um, that's what we did, right? We didn't, we didn't actually have a church building to meet in. We didn't, um, uh, we didn't have a church service to attend and to come to and to go to. We didn't have any structures. We didn't have any programs. We didn't have anything. We didn't have a thing to bring people to. Uh, all we had was us. Uh, a small handful of us, and Jesus. That was it. And I, I don't say that in trying to be kind of cute. I'm, I mean, that's literally all we had. <laughs> so we had like my small little three-bedroom house on, on Timby Park. We just keep packing people in there as long as we could. Um, and we, we did essentially hospitality, discipleship, 
Uh, we didn't even sing for like a year and a half because people thought that was kind of weird. Right? So we're like, okay, we'll get there eventually. And we just, we just let the Holy Spirit and the gospel do its job. Knowing that, that eventually that would end up with a community of believers being discipled, growing in their faith, actually responding in worship to God, wanting to actually hear the, the preaching of the word and bringing people into that community. And voila, you have church. <laughs> now, God in his grace has been good to us. Uh, now as we plant Village South, essentially those things have all been happening uh, already, right? And, and now we're getting ready to have the, the kind of public invitation into those things as we open a new building. But how we started Village was essentially just following the formula of the book of Acts. Proclaim and demonstrate the good news of Jesus. Invite people into that life so that they could actually see what that life looks like. Not a meeting on a Sunday, not a church building to attend, but a life entered into, a life in Christ entered into. And then all of the other structures, elders, breaking bread together, baptizing people, we did that, I mean, we did that before we had a building, too. It was a lot colder in the, in the lock, but... Was it? Well, I mean, we have a heater now. Thanks, Jeff, wherever you are. Right? And it's easy. It's easy in a place like Belfast, one of the most churched cities in Europe, probably. Uh, and thank God for that, right? Thank God for the revival, the 1858-1859 revival that took place in Ulster. We can't live off the remnants and crumbs of something that happened 150 years ago. <laughs> because what happens when we do that is, what's, is what we see. Churches that are in decline. Churches that are empty. Churches that are closing. Churches that are really reconfiguring and, and kind of shuffling people between churches. And it's easy to be ruled by our cynicism and, and think, listen, Belfast has enough churches. Look at the problems that the, the church has been involved with in a place like Northern Ireland. And yet, we have to be faithful to Jesus. Thankfully, some of those churches that are closing are allowing new churches to, to spring up within them. Um, Paul, when he writes to the church in Colossae in chapter 1, verse 6, he says that the gospel is bearing fruit all over the world, all over the known world at that time. What was that fruit that he was talking about? It was, it was churches being planted. Even the church that he was writing to, Colossae, planted by a, a relatively unknown guy, Epaphras. I don't know much even about him. Apparently sat under Paul's teaching and went back to his hometown and planted a church as, as he shared the good news of the gospel with people, as people believed, as the Holy Power, as the Holy Spirit empowered them as believers. And so church planting isn't just starting new congregations. It's not just starting new meetings. It's not just opening buildings. It is those things. Fundamentally, it is filling and subduing the earth. It's pushing back 
the darkness. It's clearing out thorns. It's fulfilling the mandate that God has actually given to us. It is expanding Eden, if you will. It's establishing places where God rules, where he walks in mercy. Communities where he, be, he might be known and that others might be known through those communities. Right? This is exactly what God's done from the very beginning. It's always been his plan. We've said it before. It's, it's cliched almost to this point, but, but in a good way. God's always wanted a people to whom and through whom he could reveal himself. He does this with the nation of Israel in the Old Testament. You're going to be a people. You're going to be set apart. You're not going to be like the nations around you. You're going to operate differently. Why? So the people will know you're my people. That I will reveal my glory to you and through you to the nations. We see that move in the new covenant after the death and resurrection of Jesus where that privilege moves beyond the, the ethnic, ethnic Jews to the Gentiles as well. That's me and you. Unless you're a Jew here this morning. It's always been his plan to have a people to whom he would reveal himself, but through whom he would reveal himself. And that's important for, for those of you that are going to Village South to remember. Don't forget to be on mission. It can be very easy sometimes, especially the, the, one of the great uh, dangers of of a church planting at Second Church is that those that are moving out from the kind of mothership, as it were, to plant the Second Congregation forget <laughs> of what it takes to actually plant a church. So we, we think we can just show up and open up a building and just do the things that we do here on a morning. Um, have good coffee, preach the Bible, and people will turn up. But that's not how Village got started in the first place. At all. It was being with people sitting across from them, having a coffee or a pint, and sharing the hope that we have in Jesus and inviting them into that life. And so we send you out to scatter the seed, to gather the harvest until Jesus returns. Again, this is what we see happening. This is the pattern. We see Jesus commission them with the, good, the, the great commission. Go and make disciples. I'll be with you. I'm going to empower you. You'll be my witnesses. We see this happening in an amazing way in the, in the church in Antioch, the first church that we really know of outside of Jerusalem. In Acts chapter 8, persecution breaks out. Uh, the Christians kind of scatter, and some arrive 300 miles north in Antioch. The gospel is moving from Jews to the Greeks to the Gentiles to all the world. And as a result of those 300 believers, uh, those believers going 300 miles, the result is a, a, a church is planted in Antioch. Now, what's incredible about that is we don't actually get a lot of detail on how it was planted. It really seems like these believers get scattered. They have to leave their home church, end up in this city together, and they start gathering. They start, they do what they do. <laughs> They become missionaries, and literally the Holy Spirit plants a church. What we find out then is that the church in Jerusalem sends Barnabas up there, right? He, he, he's sent up to consolidate the work. He's so encouraged by what he sees, he invites Paul. Paul didn't plant the church. 
literally seems like the Holy Spirit did it himself through spontaneous evangelism. And he forms a community. He forms a new people in this city. And then what happens? Antioch becomes a church planting church. How couldn't they? How couldn't they become a church planting church? Jesus had told them, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. They were just going to follow what Jesus told them to do. And then in that, having those people follow what Jesus told them to do, teach them to observe, obey all that I've taught you. And so they send two of their best people out. They send Paul and Barnabas. It's interesting as they're praying about this, it's the Holy Spirit that comes and says, hey, set apart these men for this work. But this isn't unique to the the church in Antioch. This should be every single church. Every church should be a church planting church. Somehow we think that this is, you know, for the specialists. Churches that really have an interest in this. The church that have enough spare people or some extra money. But that's just not the case. Every church should be a church planting church. Church planting should just be the normative uh, result of a church being healthy. Church planting is how the gospel goes forward. It's people being intentional with their lives, being intentional with the gospel, and God forming new communities around there. And I also think it's in a, in, in a city like Belfast, uh, which has some uniquenesses to it, um, it's how you're going to reach other parts of the city. It'd be very easy, would it not, for us just to continue to all stay together. Like there's part of me that doesn't want to, to, to plant another church. That means I have to say goodbye uh, to some degree, right? They're just going to a different part of the city. We can still see each other. We can still meet up for coffee. But it's not the same. There'll be people that you're not going to see here on Sundays anymore, sending out some of our best leaders. Personally, at just a personal human level, I don't want to do that. Let's just get this thing as big as we can. Let's just all stay together. Would you reach, would you reach West Belfast with that? We could get this church to be 1,000 people. We could be the biggest church in, in Belfast. But if it's in East Belfast, you're not reaching anybody from West Belfast. I don't care how big this church gets. You're going to have to go to West Belfast if you want to reach West Belfast. You got to go plant a church over there. You got to live over there. You have to be part of the culture over there, which is different than over here, is it not? Somebody's got to go there. The story of the church is the story of the seeding, germination, and growth of group of Christians who are worshiping, learning, um, uh, discipling one another together. It's just a natural extension of that. It's part of the reason why we do church the way we do church here, right? So we do church at a fairly simple level. Uh, we have our Sunday gatherings. We have our missional communities. Those kind of are what they say on the tin, communities on mission, um, they disciple one another. We have fellowship together. We grow in those groups as well, but, but they're ultimately then meant to, to result in, uh, in mission. We have our core groups uh, that we disciple one another within that. And outside of those, that's our, that's our bread and butter. 
So, yeah, we do one-off stuff for men's ministry, some one-off stuff for women's ministry here or there. But this building isn't operating six days a week with events run all throughout it all the time. Why? Because that's how you create a, a little bubble, a little Christian ghetto. We just become so busy with each other doing stuff here that mission dies. The gospel dies. It dies with us. It doesn't continue to move out. We kill all the momentum of that. And so we keep things fairly simple to allow us to have time because it takes time, doesn't it? You have to have margin within your schedule to actually get to know your neighbors, to be intentional um, with each other and how we do mission together in our communities. It takes time and it takes margin. And if we fill all of our time doing nice Christian things, the gospel dies in your generation. And that's where we're on the edge of now. Are we not maybe in danger of that in Northern Ireland? Churches aren't being planted at the rate of churches being closed. And it's very easy to look across the pond, the, the, the sea, to, to look at England, to look at Scotland, to look at Wales, and then just go another hop across to Europe. And there's the future, unless church planting continues. And so this is why we plant, instead of just hoarding all the resources in one place. Because planting is what we do. Because planting is normal. So in one, in, in one sense, this is a, a special day. Um, you know, probably the second biggest day in our church from opening it the first time. But on the other hand, it's just another Sunday. This is what we do. It's just a natural result of what God does through his people. And so I hope this isn't the last time we do this. You know what'll be really cool is when this day happens in, in Village South. That's right. So on one hand, it's normal. On the other hand, it's special. <laughs> um, and we just live in that tension. It's special. It is. It's like having a birthday. All right, that's kind of a special day. But you don't want it to be so special that it's not normal. <laughs> you want it to be normal that you keep having birthdays. <laughs> so there are some milestone birthdays in there, but you want to keep having more of them. And in that regard, they happen once a year. They're kind of normal. And that's the way I hope it is with us and with church planting. I hope it's special. I hope we, we celebrate it rightfully. But I hope, on the other hand, it's normal. It's what we do. We do this here locally. Um, it's been one of the great things about having partners like Foothill is, uh, um, like, so we're the result not just of what's, what's happening here, but God, through his body, um, again, this is just what we see with happening in Acts, right? Churches in one location would send funds and people to another location to help them with the work that's done there. And we've been the recipients of that. Um, so Foothill and our other partner churches, um, 
sending money and resources and, and praying for us that the Holy Spirit would continue to work, that he would continue to protect, sending people over here, even on short, short-term things like that. It's just a normal, it's what we see happening in, in the book of Acts. It's the, it's the natural outworking of that. And so as we grow, we want to continue to do that. One of the great parts of having partners is that they uh, are such great examples of then how we should be getting to do those things. And we might not do it at the same proportion um, uh, of a size of a church like Foothill, but it doesn't mean that we don't do it. Um, and so in our budget this year, we've allocated uh, part of those funds to also help us to help church planting in Turkey. Um, I've uh, just been fortunate through God's providence uh, to be involved already uh, through my role in Acts 29 in assessing a lot of those church planters. Um, that's a whole different kettle of fish. Like They talk about uh, church planters having to sacrifice to, to plant churches, and there's some maybe truth to that. Until you go to a place like Turkey, and you're like, I've sacrificed nothing. Um, it's the only place I've preached that had armed <laughs> policemen at the door. So that's different. Um, but it actually could cost them their life there. Um, and as the government becomes more aggressive against those sorts of things, uh, they need uh, support from their brothers and sisters more than ever. And so we want to be a part of doing that, um, sending some of you uh, out to do that. Some of you are in training theologically now. Um, maybe God would use that to the ends of planting churches. Um, what we want to do at this time is, is really just, I guess, uh, call, pray for, uh, recognize the team that's going out. So if you're part of the Village South team, um, if you would just come up here to the front and wherever you can kind of fit in up here, we're just going to um, pray for you and commission you and bless you um, as you go out. And if, uh, if you guys even... Um, I've been really proud of the team, um, not just Andrew and Haley, who we'll pray for and kind of commission as, as leaders uh, in that, but um, church planters um, obviously get to stand up in front of people. They're the people who, you know, get uh, prayed for and, and all of that, but uh, they're just the lead planters, right? So we often call people up here like worship leaders. In some ways, that's uh, the better phrase is the lead worshiper, right? We're all worshipers. They're just leading us in that. And it's the same with planting. You have a lead planter, but all the people that you see on, uh, up here uh, are church planters. Um, and many of them have, have rolled up their sleeves and just got stuff done um, while I've not been available, while Andrew's been uh, away. Uh, the Devlins, the Millikins, the Youngs have all just taken on um, just responsibility for things that have just been incredible. So I just want to say thank you um, to all of you um, who are up here and uh, really trust that God will continue to, um, to bless um, all of us as we go. Um, it is like in some ways like having kids and you eventually have to send them out and that's a good thing. That's a healthy thing, right? If your kids stayed in the house and never left, uh, you probably weren't a successful parent. All the parents of uh, older kids are like, yeah. right? So eventually it's good that they leave. And it's the same with planting churches. Like it, it's a good thing uh, that they leave, that they go out and they stand on their own uh, in some regard. We continue to relate and support and celebrate together. 
And there will be, there will be uh, Sunday services throughout the year where we'll pull all back together. We'll have to rent a different venue to do it, but uh, we'll do that. And we'll party and we'll celebrate all that God has done across uh, the village family of churches. Um, and I also want to just say, obviously, we're just one very small piece of that puzzle. Um, there are other good churches in our city that are trying to do this as well and trying to plant, and we want to pray for them and bless them. Pray for Rehope, uh, who, who are doing good work and actually are kind of being made homeless. Uh, and so they're looking for facilities at the minute and struggling to do so. And so um, we'll uh, maybe pray for them at the end as well. So um, we really want to celebrate all that God has done, um, not just through Village, but um, the wider work within our city to see revival come once again. It'd be great to live through an 1858, 1859 experience, that the Lord would do that in our generation. And so maybe, maybe, uh, just maybe, uh, church planting would be uh, playing a part of that. Church planting is, uh, as we've said, a natural result of the gospel. And it's a natural result because the gospel brings life. It brings dead things to life. And living things that are healthy grow. That's why we focused on the health of our church and not the growth of our church. Uh, to focus on growth can sometimes get weird, right? You have to start using steroids and stuff and things go bad. If you just focus on keeping things healthy, they'll naturally grow in the right time. But it's a sign of life. And it's a sign of life that only comes uh, from Jesus. It only comes from the Holy Spirit. It's not a life that we can give to ourselves. And it's just the corporate, it's the communal expression of that, of what he has done to us individually in our own hearts, of bringing us from death and sin to life, as we talked about so much last week in a culture of grace and what grace has done to us. Um, And so we just want to uh, continue um, just to celebrate that grace as we come to the table together. Um, Church planting is a result of the death and resurrection and ascension of Jesus. And we remember that uh, weekly by breaking bread and remembering what Jesus said. As he took bread, he said, this is my body broken for you. Eat and do this in remembrance of me. And, and he took wine and poured it out. He said, this, this is a cup of a new covenant. This is my blood that was shed for you. And so church planting and communion are really a symbol and a reminder of the same thing. Jesus' victory over death, that we are all entered into new life, we are all bought into a new family, and we're baptized into that family, and that family grows and continues to be healthy and multiply. The body of Christ was broken for us so that his body here on earth, the church, would grow and multiply. And so as we celebrate church planting this morning, um, let's come to the table again. Um, This meal is for you if you're a follower of Christ this morning. Um, So if you're visiting from another church, but you're a Jesus follower, you're a Christian, you're welcome to the table uh, to join us this morning. We'll have two stations at each side with bread and wine. Um, Just rip a piece of bread off, dip it in the wine. Um, There's a gluten-free provision on this side um, as well. 
Um, but let's stand and continue to worship all that God has, worship God and all that He has done amongst us as we break bread together.